Checking into a hotel, you're probably thinking of taking a dip in the pool, a nap on the 500 thread count sheets, or like me, a breakfast buffet with a waffle maker. But if you're us, you're thinking, is this place haunted? It's not just Colorado Stanley Hotel or Disney's Tower of Terror. Hotels across the world have a crazy history of crime, and that doesn't go away after maid service. The count of murders, crimes, and mysterious deaths inside hotels is astronomical. And today, we've got the 10 scariest hotel crimes. That relaxing getaway could be the site of a mob hit, or if your luck's really bad, a hideout for a serial killer who's still active. Hotel walls are thin, and you never know who's checked into the room next door. Hey, all you weirdos. Welcome to the ParCast Original, Crime Countdown. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week, we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the ParCast Research Gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 hotel crimes. So what's the creepiest hotel you have ever stayed in? The only one that I've known is haunted is the Stanley. Yeah, that makes sense, because the Lizzie Borden house was chill as hell. <laughs> I forgot that we stayed there. We definitely did. I also, I feel like I don't think of it as a hotel. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? We also didn't sleep. It was so scary. So I thought that would be burned in your mind. Yeah, I definitely like completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You made me stay up the entire night, if you remember. The entire night. I was not going to sleep there. No, thank you. Yeah, that place had bad, bad vibes. Bad vibes. But why do you think so many murders happen in hotels? I feel like it has to do with the fact that people feel like a weird sense of privacy in hotels that isn't actually there. Yeah. Like hotels kind of make it their business to make you feel at home. That's true. This can make you feel too at home. (laughs) I mean, that's true. A lot of people definitely took that to heart, like got way too at home. Well, while you unpack your suitcase, we'll unpack these cases. Remember, Elena has five scary hotel crimes and so do I, but we'll be learning right along with you which ones the other one has. Let's start the countdown. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. 10. Starting off our list of hotel crimes at number 10 is the killing of mob hitman Albert Anastasia. In 1956, this New York gangster and one-time head of Murder, Inc. was shot to death while sitting in a barber chair inside the Park Sheridan Hotel in Manhattan. That's more than a haircut. That's a lot more than he bargained for. (laughs) Anastasia worked with gangster Lucky Luciano. Do you remember when I did the Thelma Todd case? You love Lucky. 
I think he's a babe. He's not. Okay. Well, Anastasia <laughs> and Lucky work together to assassinate two of New York's biggest mob bosses. That'll probably end up fine. Yeah, you know, it always does. Yeah. So after that, Luciano became head mob boss. Look big deal. Big guy. <laughs> and he put Anastasia in charge of Murder, Inc., which is like a notorious murder for hire organization. I'm not going to lie. They killed it with that name and the pun is intended. So they did. Fronts. But it makes me think of Monsters, Inc., which is very different. It doesn't make me think of Monsters, Inc. at all. <laughs> it's totally separate way. Very Thanks. different. Well, Luciano was taken down by prostitution charges and Frank Costello took over as boss. So Lucky's not boss anymore. He got knocked out. He did. But of course, Anastasia stayed loyal to his allies because it's the mob. You got to be loyal or else you're in big trouble. Loyalty is key. So Anastasia actually joined the army and worked with the U.S. on war efforts to invade Italy just so that he could get Luciano a lighter sentence. That's a true friend. And while he was at that, he also received U.S. citizenship. Wow. He was like really busy that year. I don't know if it was just a year. But it was a year. Let's just say <laughs> he was getting stuff done. But when the murder plot to take out Frank Costello was put into motion, it became super clear that they weren't going to be able to do that with Anastasia still alive because he's super loyal. He's got that loyalty thing. They knew that he was going to protect Costello in some way. So they're like, you know what? We're going to take you out too. Uh oh. So when they came in, he allegedly tried to fight back, but he was super shocked and unprepared. Which I, I wonder why. I wonder why. But I also feel like if you're in the mob, you should be prepared at all times. I know you should always be waiting for bullets to fly. But he was not. And he actually attacked the gunman's reflection in the wall mirror <sighs> instead of the actual gunman. All right. That's it's not funny. That's sad because it's a human life, but kind of hilarious. It is kind of hilarious. All at the same time. You're not wrong. Nine. At number nine is the almost impossible murder of Greg Flinnegan. Flinnegan was a Louisiana man in the oil business. In 2010, he checked into the same Beaumont, Texas hotel where he stayed every week for work. But this time, he was found dead in his room without an apparent cause of death. Well, that's weird. That's no good. So investigators initially believed it was just a simple heart attack. He smoked a lot. He ate a lot of sweets, you know. Same. It happens. You know. So they were like, this is probably what happens. It happens all the time in hotels. But the medical examiner looked and was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a lot of internal damage here that is not caused by a heart attack. He's like, not caused by cupcakes. So he was like, wait a second. This is blunt force trauma, in my opinion. And he ruled it a homicide. Okay. So Flinnegan had always stayed at this hotel during the week and then went back to Louisiana on the weekends. What does that equal? A very predictable schedule for a killer to track. You gotta change your routine. Change the routine. We we're always it. say it. Yeah, we're saying it all the time. And they're looking and they're like, he has no known enemies. Everyone said he was like a really kind man. Oh. And there was over $1,000 in cash left behind. So that ruled out robbery as a motive. Isn't so, it so weird that like people will go and kill people and then they'll just leave $1,000 sitting there? Ethics. I'm like, you're already a bad guy. Yeah, you got it. There's ethics. Okay. I, I guess so. Well, do you want to know the truth? You want to know what happened to him? I, I would like to. A man was throwing a party in the next hotel room over and was playing with his gun. It fired, went through the wall, and killed Flinnegan. Are you serious? I am serious as a heart attack, which Flinnegan did not have. <laughs> 
also like reason number like thousand and five not to play with a gun. It's not a toy. It doesn't end well. Well, the medical examiner had apparently missed the entry wound and the bullet wound to his heart. And was fired that same day. And promptly was suspended. (laughs) The bullet hole in the hotel room wall had been filled with toothpaste. Toothpaste. So the MacGyver of accidental murderers, apparently. A little bit of gum, you know. Yeah, like a rubber band. There you go. Perfect. Eight. Number eight on our list of top 10 hotel crimes is the possible voyeur. Gay Talisa's book, The Voyeur's Motel, tells the story of his relationship with Gerald Foose, who claimed that he spied on guests at his Aurora, Colorado roadside motel for decades. But the details are fishy. The details are horrifying, in my opinion. They already already are. (laughs) Yeah, already. I'm like, nope. So... Gerald Foose just called up Gay Talese one day to tell him that he had been spying on his own guests for decades. <laughs> like, so he's like, hey, what are you up to? I'm, I'm just spying on my guests, been doing it for decades. He's like, weather outside What's is going nice, on? huh? Yeah, what are you doing, eating lunch? Yeah, like, typical combo. What? It's so weird. Wow. This subject, though, it was right up to Lisa's wheelhouse. And he was like, cool, cool, cool. Tell me everything. Tell me all you got. So Foose says that he built an attic type area above all these rooms, and then he installed my worst fear ever, Uh-oh. false vents, so that he could just stand above and observe down on all the people. Hate that. I'm so terrified that I'm going to find somebody in my vents someday, but I'm no. also so prepared. You're prepared. You hear that person in Ash's vents? Yeah. I'm She's looking prepared. for you. It's, She's prepared. Isn't that so scary? It is. He described, People don't belong in vents. No, they don't belong air in vents. Air belongs in vents. That's it. It's solely for air. Yeah. He described that he saw every kind of relationship and combination of people, every emotion, and all of those things he kept a detailed journal of. Here's the thing. This is awful. It's terrible. It's like the worst kind of violation. You want to read it, don't you? I want to read the book. I mean, it would be cool to know what's in there, but it's like... It would be fascinating. You can't be the person who discovers this. No, I don't want... That's wrong. I don't want any part of it. No, I don't want to be chilling in a But like, it would be a fascinating read. I agree. (laughs) Talise also thought so. But the problem is that he relied solely on Foose's account to write his book, which we all know is a journalism no-no. No, you don't want to do that. You need multiple sources. He also originally disavowed his own book because the media poked a ton of holes in the story. All right. So there's that. They're like, yeah, this is not true. And he's like, I didn't write that. You're probably right. (laughs) Also, Steven Spielberg bought the rights to this story, but then his production got canceled because he heard about this documentary being made. And the documentary is on Netflix right now. Oh, I want to watch it. It's called Voyeur, and it dives into the story and the aftermath of public reception and debunking. Sounds interesting. I'm going to go watch it tonight. At number seven this week is the Las Vegas Hilton fire that happened back in the 80s. On February 10th, 1981, eight people died and 200 were injured when the Las Vegas Hilton went up in flames thanks to a troubled 23-year-old busboy at the hotel who claimed he didn't mean to hurt anybody. Oh, okay. Whoops. I just didn't mean to. Yeah, my bad. The busboy, Philip Bruce Klein, tried to claim smoke from his joint lit the drapes on fire accidentally while he was in the room hooking up with someone. Oh, okay. What a cool guy. He's like, I was smoking. I was smoking a joint and hooking up with ladies. You know. Whoops, lit the place on fire. I am a cool guy. 
That's the lamest thing I've ever heard. That is. Uh, but during the investigation, firefighters found out that he probably wasn't just a cool guy who accidentally <laughs> let the place on fire because they could not imitate the way he said the flames started. And they probably found because it didn't happen that way. Definitely didn't because they found four points of origin on four different floors. Well, he was in all of them at the same time. He was time, running right? through four floors, smoking joints, and hooking up with people. As one does. Because he's a cool guy. <laughs> so apparently, so many people stopped to watch this blazing inferno, it caused traffic problems. Oh my and a God. few fights broke out in the streets. Because people are like, whoa, what's happening over there? I think it's this. No, I think it's this. So like, it's the 80s. What else are we going to watch? Let's watch this building burn Here we down. go. Look at this. Well, the damage was estimated at $10 million. So it must have been a crazy inferno. Wow. Klein was found guilty of murder and arson. I, yeah, and makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad. And while tragic, the devastation was nowhere near as horrific as the MGM Grand Hotel fire just months prior, thanks to reforms made in hotels after that blaze. You cannot smoke in your hotel room. Silver lining. Six. Number six this week are the Golden Key Motel murders. In 2006, police came to investigate a murder in the Golden Key Motel in Atlantic City. When they arrived, they discovered four decomposed bodies. Whoops. That is not what they were expecting. Probably not. All four women were doing sex work around the city, and they were all found in a drainage ditch near the hotel. Oh, what a terrible place. Isn't that awful? Yeah. They were all clothed, but their shoes, their pocketbooks, their IDs, and their cell phones were never found. That's interesting. Especially the shoes. That's interesting. The shoes is weird, right? But you know what? I've read something that says, like, think about it. Without your shoes, you're very vulnerable. Yeah. Like, so a lot of killers will, like, take their shoes right away. to make you feel more. Because if you think about it, when you're out in the world without shoes, that's I, a weird, vulnerable feeling. I am out in the world feeling. without shoes a lot. <laughs> you are, but. A little hippie. <laughs> yeah, you're just jumping on Charlie Manson's butt. <laughs> well, the other thing that people think, too, is that maybe they were taken as trophies. Could be. Since there was no identifying evidence, it led investigators to believe that they were likely killed somewhere else and then dumped by the Golden Key. That makes sense. The killer was nicknamed the Eastbound Strangler because the bodies were all found in a row, all face down, and they were in shallow water that was facing east. We gotta stop giving these guys cool nicknames. I agree. That one kind of sucks, though. But, like, he probably thought it was cool. He definitely thought it was cool. An official who worked on the case said that the prosecutor's office was hesitant to label it the work of a serial killer since the Atlantic City was so dependent on tourism. Yeah, we don't want to, like, tell the truth. You know, it's like human lives, but I mean, the tourists. Safety, tourism. Tourism. I don't know. It won in that one. It did. Well, this sounded super familiar to me when I was reading it, and I was like, oh, People thought that it was connected with Lisk, the Long Island serial killer. Yes, it does remind me of that. And he's believed to murdered 10 to 16 people, but then the evidence didn't fully support the two cases being linked. It does sound so familiar, though. It does. I had no idea that so many crazy things have happened in hotels. Me either. It's insane. I feel like that's all I'm going to think about when I go stay at a hotel now. It is all I think about when I stay in a hotel because I'm like a paranoid person. We don't stay in hotels a lot. I like can't remember the last time I stayed in a hotel. I think the last time we stayed in a hotel was in New York for our Gramercy show. Or was it Lizzie Borden first and then the Gramercy? Yeah, Yeah, so you're right. So we felt uneasy in the Lizzie Borden house. I can tell you that much. (laughs) We definitely did. I'm personally waiting for one to show up. Me too. And I feel like it's the same one. I feel like it is. 
Let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of hotel crimes. Kicking off the second half of our list is the Alaskan memory card murder. In September 2019, a woman found a random SD memory card on the street, and she decided to see what was on it. No. The card contained 39 images and 12 videos titled Homicide at Midtown Marriott. What? <laughs> Which it's like, what kind of killer is like, doop doop a doop and is like let me upload this on my little sd card it's a very organized fellow what should i label this file doot 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 homicide at midtown marriott like what you don't want to mix it up with another file duh. you're not gonna label it like pizza recipes you know what i mean like something <laughs> something that totally like open. unsuspicious yeah tax documents also like, if i ever found an sd card in the middle of the street i'd be like well that's gonna stay right there. I would be curious. I know. I don't want it in my computer though, so I'd be like, well, that'll stay there. Gotta go to the library. <laughs> gotta go to the library. <laughs> gotta go to a church, a la Dennis Rader. Yeah. So the card held horrific photos and videos of a brutal torture and slaying of an Alaskan native woman. Oh no. So the woman that found this SD card turned it into police, luckily, because you know someone else might have been like, I'm just gonna hold on to this. No, like, no way. big deal. No thanks. Two days later, a body was found along a highway, and authorities believe that could be the woman in the pics in the videos. Isn't it crazy how that all like worked together? It just all stacked right on top yeah. of each other. Officials tracked down Brian Stephen Smith as their prime suspect. Okay. When they got him, they were like, Oh look, he's South African and he had a very distinct accent that matched the videos. Oh. So that really like I didn't even think up. of that that they would hear a they voice hear in a the voice, video, which is horrifying cuz I'm like what was he saying? I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't even want to like try to think. Well, Smith confessed to the crime. And while he was there, he was like, "You know what? While I'm here, fellas and <gasps> ladies, I did commit another murder too." <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. He just he just while we're all gathered here today, yeah. I might as well let you in on a few more. Let's just lay it all out. Jeez. In 2018, Smith shot another Native Alaskan woman whose skull police discovered about a year prior. But until then, they had no leads on it. Oh. So they were like, oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for handing that right on Appreciate over. Appreciate it. Now, according to the Sunday Times, Smith family and friends described him as a meek man, loved by all. Uh, but he did spout racist tirades on the internet every now and then, so... You know, meek people are know, always doing that, left and right. You can't really describe a racist as meek and loved by all. <laughs> Definitely not. Doesn't really go Not exactly a meek dude. But all right, friends and family. Um, although he confessed to both of the murders, it's really unclear how the women were linked and how he chose his victims. Mm -hmm. It seems like he's just racist. I, I guess know. so. Um, so Smith was already involved in another investigation, which authorities haven't disclosed details on. So he's like potentially a serial killer. I'm real interested. I want to know more about that. Four. Number four this week is the body in the bed. Ooh. In July 2019, 40-year-old San Juan Macias' body was discovered stuffed in a bed frame at the Roadway Inn off Highway 290 in Austin, Texas. That's bad. Not good, that's no. for sure. You don't want to sleep there. So Jamie Wingwood was her on and off again boyfriend, and he confessed to the murder. Woof. And then to corroborate that, the daughter alleged that Wingwood threatened to kill her mom in the time leading up to the murder. Oh, so they're just like, well, here's all the evidence. Here it is. Here, Here you it go. Is. Wingwood's own sister called the police on him after getting a text from him saying that he really screwed up and he was leaving town. 
<laughs> Imagine getting a text message from your sibling and like, I messed up. No. I gotta leave. Don't and then you find out that, that they murdered someone? I'd be like, you buried the lead with that one. <laughs> there that was. You could have yeah. just gone quietly. Jeez. Well, luckily police caught up to him before he could skip town. Messiah's body went unnoticed for three days. Yikes. Three days, even though multiple people, including investigators and staff, went in and out of the room. These things always initially, I'm like, what? How did you not know? And then I think about the Josh Phillips case. I know. Where he put Maddie Clifton, he killed her and then stuffed her under his bed. For a week. She was there for a week. That had already started to Yeah, and she had already, yeah, so it's like, it happens. I know. Three days actually, I guess, isn't that long if you think about it. Well, the bed frame was constructed in a way that it created like a box that the mattress sat on top of. So I guess it was good for concealing it created, the body. Yeah, like a makeshift coffin. Yeah, which is awful. Really awful. And guess who was the one to tell police about this? Huh. Wingwood himself. No way. He's like, just so you know. He's like, I already gave you everything else. Right. This is like really sad. Macias was a mother of six. Oh. And after her death, a GoFundMe was set up so that it was able to support her children. Oh, that's but, good. But oh, so sad. And the weird thing is, uh, it's unfortunate. There's a lot of cases of bodies being stored in and under beds, especially at seedy locations, like in Macias' case. Yeah. The bodies are disposed like this and they can go a long time without being noticed. It until- seems like a good place to hide someone, apparently, because no one finds out. That's true, until the housekeeper starts to smell a foul smell. Three. Number three on our countdown of hotel crimes is the bizarre murders of Rose Burkert and Roger Atkinson. These two Missouri travelers checked into a hotel in Iowa and were found dead in their bed the next morning. Ooh. The case remains unsolved, although experts believe revenge was involved. Revenge. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know why that sound came out, but I'm going to go with it. I get it. Roger Atkinson was married and had a daughter, and Rose was his mistress. Oh, so that's why revenge is involved. That's where revenge comes. I get it now. So they were found the next morning lying face down, side by side in bed, and their heads had been repeatedly struck with a sharp object, something like a hatchet or a machete. Oh, a hatchet or a machete. Those are two rough things to get struck in the head with repeatedly. Not a good way to go. That's anger. Yeah. That's a lot of that's anger. anger. That's revenge. Yeah. That's somebody who's real pissed off. Now, this is weird. Authorities say the chairs in the room were arranged in a way that kind of makes it seem like the killer and the victims sat across from each other and like chatted. Did they chat at some or point. did they yell at each other? Did they chat or did they punch each other? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, money was stolen and the word this had been written on the bathroom mirror. Just this? Which the worst note of all time of all things to write (laughs) yeah like this this right here not even this right here just this just this what right here i don't know so difficulties in the case arose because it involves people from missouri for a crime that took place in iowa and we all know police departments don't like to share separate jurisdictions you know no arrests have been made but some suspected Rose Burkert's ex-boyfriend or Roger Atkinson's uncle-in-law. Oh. Which is a strange... Yeah, I was thinking more like a woman scorned. Yeah. I mean, I... Especially writing on the mirror. I don't know why that yeah. made me think of, like... I immediately thought of it being written in lipstick. Lipstick. But it didn't say that. I actually was just trying to go back in my brain and be like, did she say in lipstick? I don't think so. No. Oh. It was just written there. It was written in shampoo. <laughs> Who knows? Shaving cream. <laughs> 
The Iowa County Sheriff at the time of the murder, the lead detective, and some suspects have since died. So it's really getting Uh harder and harder to solve this case. Right. And it's just going colder and colder. Since it's over three decades old, help from retired policemen have been crucial in this case. So retired policemen, get on it. Police. This is making me not want to ever stay in a hotel. It's not even making me not want to stay in another hotel. I think I've already decided. Yeah, I've made a decision. I will just never stay in a hotel. I'll stay in my car. Or if I do, I'm checking the bed. I'm checking the closet. I'm putting a blanket in front of the vents. Yeah, you got to pull up that mattress. There's so much to do now. You can't just relax. Yeah, it's true. It's not. Forget the waffle maker. It's not a vacation anymore. I'm upset. I hate it. I so far I haven't seen the one I'm waiting for, so I haven't seen it either. And there's only two left and I don't have it. Uh oh. Unless we're not thinking of the same one. We might not be. Let's find out. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of hotel crimes, and landing at number two is the unsolved murder of room 1046. I know this one. I thought that I didn't, but then I read it and I was like, I do know this. This is a good one. On January 2nd, 1935, a young man checked into a Kansas City, Missouri hotel. No luggage at all. Under the fake name Roland T. Owen, he was later found beaten and stabbed in his room room 1046. Dun, dun, dun. Isn't that weird? That is weird. So the staff said that he was weird. Uh, He was super (laughs) odd the whole time. He kept his room dark. He seemed nervous. And a maid reportedly heard a second male voice in his room. I mean, so far, that's not too weird. I'm pretty nervous and I like dark rooms. (laughs) Actually, same. And if they called me, they'd hear a male voice. They wouldn't with me. So So, she'd be like, well, that was weird. That's weird. And also, so is that girl. Everybody's (laughs) weird. A bellhop also, this is weird too, was sent to put his phone back on the hook twice. Huh. Which is like, why is your phone off the hook two times? Yeah. And also, why does somebody have to go do that for you? I don't know. That stinks. Well, the second time he was discovered in a blood splattered room and he was wounded but alive. Ooh. Crazy. That's not good. He didn't trip. No, no. <laughs> that would have been a lot of blood splatter. Seems for a intentional trip. in here. It does. So the police asked Owen who had been in the room and he told them nobody. Sir, that's not true. <laughs> incorrect. You pressed an incorrect key. That's why your thing is off the hook. <laughs> he had been found bound and tortured. So again, obviously somebody was in the room. Someone else was there. He had a fractured skull and he was stabbed. Jeez. Right? That's anger too. Yeah. He was taken to the hospital, obviously, but he later died from his injuries. Oh, fake Owen. I know. Fake Owen. (laughs) Weird again, all the clothes in his room were gone. Hmm. And the only clues left were an unlit cigarette and four fingerprints. Hmm. Right? Four fingerprints are pretty good. But wasn't this like super old? Yeah, it was. So it's like, I don't know. Now, one of the weirdest things in my opinion, is that an anonymous donor sent money for his funeral. That's so strange. Well, and to me, that's like somebody knew you and feels yeah. bad that like your parents or whoever has to pay for it now. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. At one point, a woman named Ruby Ogletree saw a magazine article about the murder and she identified the man as her own son, Artemis. Wow, that's right? bad. That's real bad. But the killer was never caught and the case remains unsolved. Oh, man. One. 
And that brings us to number one on our countdown of hotel crimes, the disappearance of Madeline McCann. In 2007, while vacationing in Portugal with her family, three-year-old Madeline vanished from her hotel room. And despite being one of the most high-profile child abduction cases in history, her whereabouts remain unknown. This case is so sad. I remember when this case happened. I do too. It stressed me out then and it stresses me out now. I know. I can't even watch the Netflix thing on it. Oh, I can't. I started to and it was too much. (laughs) So the parents, um, Madeline's parents were on vacation with their friends and their friends' children. They were known collectively as the Tapas Seven. Do they call themselves that? I don't really know. We really enjoy small plates and there's seven of us. We love tiny food. We're here for it. And there's seven of us. This is the perfect name. Madeline was taken from her bed while her parents, Kate and Jerry, were dining at a restaurant less than 200 feet away. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was three. I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't leave my three-year-old in a hotel. No, I wouldn't expect you to. By no means is it anybody's fault except who did it. But like, you know, don't do that. Yeah, definitely don't. Take a (laughs) note to not do that. Take a note. The Portuguese police did not distribute her photo or information to relevant departments or install roadblocks until late in the morning. Time to take another note to do that right away. This person dipped already. Yeah, right away. They were absolutely gone. Her parents were suspects because the former head of the investigation falsely claims Madeline died accidentally and that they covered it up. Oh, that's sad. And they were like healthcare professionals, too. So I think they were like, oh, Oh, they must have known how to do this. Yeah, it was crazy. So the British tabloids went wild with this crime. Her disappearance quickly turned into a media circus and the family was heavily scrutinized. I remember all the news reports. Like, yep. There were so many fingers being pointed toward her family. Because, of course, when a child either dies or is taken like this, yeah. immediately the first thing you're going to think of. And the weird position of, like, we were dining down the road there. Right. She was alone. People are going to judge you immediately. It's just going to happen. It's this just the way just it is. It's just human nature. It's unfortunate, though, because the McCanns were able to seek damages on defamation charges from tabloids. Because they were baselessly accusing them of murdering her and disposing of her body. Yeah. Literally no evidence. That's that's cause for a lawsuit. And it's like, they just lost their three-year-old. That's the other thing. They're having to argue that they didn't do it yeah. and also grieve the loss of their young, young child. Like, that's so wrong. That's sad. Now, there's many theories, plausible ones and really awful ones, mm-hmm. like child trafficking, which seems unfortunately to be maybe the most likely it really does um there's also you know slightly less plausible ones like the government becoming involved in you know conspiracy stuff hey you never know i say slightly less (laughs) definitely slightly less i agree with you in june 2020 though and i'm sure a lot of people might have already known about this Mm -hmm. because it just happened a new development arose. A known German pedophile had been in the area at the same time as Madeline went missing. I want to know, like, why a known pedophile was walking around. I know. It's I'd like, be like, you should sir, be in jail. <laughs> sir, you're a known German pedophile. You should to jail not be you out go. Here. To jail you go, Bye-bye. sir. Bye-bye. Honestly, that case, the Madeline McCann case, I didn't even think of it, to be honest, to be on this list until I saw it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a huge I one. know. I didn't think of it either. Because <laughs> I just didn't even think of it as a hotel crime, but it is. 
But that wasn't the case that I was thinking that of. That wasn't the case I was thinking of either. What were you thinking of? Want to say it on one, two, three? Let's see. One, one two, two, three. Elisa Lam. Lam. Yes! Oh, yes! I was so surprised it wasn't on here. I knew you were going to say that. That's such a good one. That is a good one. Podcast research gods. We got you. We got you. Oh, we also got you together. We did. Oh, that's cute. The first joint own yes. of the podcast. Of many? Gods. Question mark. Well, I feel like that's the only thing that was left off, right? Yeah, I really think it is. Everything. I mean, there was someone here that I didn't even know about. Me too. So I thought this was a great countdown. You killed it. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. And if you can't get enough of us, check out After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify, where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And you know what? If you like us, you can follow our show Morbid on Instagram at Morbid Podcast and on Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. Woo! Thanks. Bye. Bye. Crime Countdown was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kevin McAlpine. Produced by John Cohen, Jonathan Ratliff, and Kristen Acevedo. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart.